Genre. to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one final episode at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we're talking about Minute 245, uh, which starts with the um, fading of David Wenham's name, and it uh, ends with uh, the uh, rolling credits Mm -hmm. um, as uh, Annie Lennox sings to us. Yes. A beautiful, sad, bittersweet song. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the song right away, since we didn't last time? Um, We can, yeah. Okay, before Just, jumping into the rest yeah. of the cast. Uh, I've always loved this song a lot. It always makes me feel really emotional. Yeah. Um, And it was written uh, in tribute to a 16-year-old New Zealand uh, like amateur filmmaker that died of cancer. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Until we were just l- looking at it right now. And the the first time it was it was performed was at his uh, funeral. His funeral. Oh my god. Which is just heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that just kind of underscores like the whole idea of of passing into the West as like death of, of, of yeah like yeah. moving on from life. So, I I think it's interesting that like. The the lyrics are probably arranged by Fran, right? Yeah, they they come from the book. A lot of them come from things yeah. Legolas says in in book six, chapter four. So a lot of the lyrics come from the book directly. I don't know. Should I read all the lyrics? I mean, why not? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Lay down your sweet and weary head. The night is falling. You have come to journey's end. Sleep now and dream of the ones who came before. They are calling from across the distant shore. Why do you weep? What are these tears upon your face? Soon you will see all of your fears will pass away. Safe in my arms, you're only sleeping. What can you see on the horizon? Why do the white gulls call? Across the sea, a pale moon rises. The ships have come to carry you home. And all will turn to silver glass, a light on the water, all souls pass. Hope fades into the world of night, through shadows falling out of memory and time. Don't say we have come now to the end. White shores are calling. You and I will meet again, and you'll be here in my arms, just sleeping. And all will turn to silver glass, a light on the water, gray ships pass into the west. If if that doesn't summarize the past 15 minutes of the movie, I don't know what does. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, I really like this song. Um, is this your favorite of the the three songs? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. By like a country mile. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love me Semenya. Yeah. I don't actually know which one is my favorite. I think it's the Enya one. Hmm. Mm. But this is a very close second. Yeah. And I like uh, the one that ends two towers as well. Hmm. Um, they're all really good. <laughs> yeah. Just think of Enya and Annie Lennox to sing songs for these right? movies. Like, how dare you? <laughs> but yeah, this song is really good. Um, it always kind of makes me cry a little. Yeah. 
Um, we were like jamming to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, just listen to it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, we like stopped recording last last episode, and I was like, oh, we forgot to talk about the song. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought we would be remiss to not mention the song because it is really good and it's yeah. very poignant and it's uh, it's very well done. Yes. Annie Lennox is great. Yeah, for real. Um, all right. So back to the credits. Back to these face credits. Um, David Wenham, Brad Dourif. Uh, who's in such a good word tongue. Yeah. He's so good at being slimy. Yeah. Always like, plays bad guys. We have, just... I mean, I, like, it's hard to, like, because we've, we've been in the, the micro so long, it's hard to just step back and look at the macro, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, Wormtongue's great. He's so good at he's so good at being like slimy little bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and so much of so much of the first part of what goes on in Rohan hangs on the Wormtongue performance. Yes, yes, very much so. Because um, he makes such an impression. Like he's barely in this. Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if there's more than twenty five minutes total screen time of Wormtongue. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's so good. He's just like chewing up the scenery. Yeah, Brad Dourif was a uh, Brad Dourif was a really really like, good choice. inspired casting yeah. choice. Yeah, really good choice. Yeah, but um, and then we have Carl Urban as Aomer. Love me some Aomer. I love me some Carl Urban. Not enough to do. Just, Not enough screen time. Nope. Let me look at his beautiful face. <laughs> Give him some more lines. Carl Urban's a great actor. Yeah. I like both want to watch the boys and also do not want to watch the boys. Yeah. Because I know that he's, Carl like, Urban. he's the main character. In just that. being a cheeky bastard. Yeah, but I don't know if I want that. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then we have John Noble as Denethor, whom we have like. I don't think anyone in these movies choose the scenery like John Noble oh, does. Oh, man. Like there's, there's just something about this guy's performance that just demands your undivided attention. Which is perfect for for denethor especially because in the theatrical cuts of these this is the only movie that we that he's in that he's in so but like for him to make such a an impression you Mm. know literally you know go out blazing and just like (laughs) and you listen to him talk like in the commentaries Uh or in interviews and he's just he could not be more different of a person or like have such so much different energy acting than than what he does as Denethor. Yeah. Um I yeah, it's 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 like I I love watching Denethor. Yeah. I love hating Denethor. Yes. It's very it's very cathartic. <laughs> he's just so intense. Yes. Even when he's being like incredibly nuanced. John Noble is just so intense. Yeah. It's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Oh my God. And then we have Andy Serkis' Gollum. Yes. And for the face credits, they'd show us his face as Smeagol. Which is good. Which yeah. is nice. Which is good. I'm give, glad that they did. Give him an Oscar. <laughs> yes. He deserved it. Yeah. What else do we say about Andy Serkis? Nothing. There's nothing else to say I mean, I think the Gollum. fact that we were just like, uh, who do we cast as Gollum? Gollum. And uh, we're not the only itself. ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, even just like recasts that were just like open to recast with whatever, with anybody. whoever. We're yeah. just like, why would you recast Gollum? Yeah. Uh, and then we get with Ian, Ian Holm, Holm, who was a great Bilbo. Yeah. Um, You want your Bilbo to be an actor that's going to leave an impression. 
um, that is really warm because it has to carry through to the end of the movie, mm. to the end of the trilogy. Yeah. To be like, we want to see like the Bilbo that we remember from the, the book, The Hobbit, and from the very beginning of this story. Mm-hmm. So that initial scene with Gandalf, like it just they just need to be someone that's really warm and have good chemistry with Ian McKellen. And they did that. Ian Holm is so good. Here is a thought. Mm. I don't like the thought, but I'm mm. going to share it because right. podcast. Um, so if I'm both, I'm glad that that Peter Jackson is not like George Lucas in that he might <laughs> go go back feel and insert the need Martin Freeman to, <laughs> yeah, as Martin Freeman ages. <laughs> Right. I mean, Martin Freeman is a great Bilbo in, in those yes. Hobbit movies. Yeah. He's the, like, he's the most charming part of that movie. Yes. Those movies. I just love all the background footage of him flipping off the camera every time he Oh, my God. He it. does it all the time. It's the best. It's so funny. Oh, can't use this. He's so, like, aggro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Ian Holm as, as Bilbo's great. And then we have Anne Sean Bean yes. as Boromir. Mm-hmm. I still miss Boromir. Our last face... It's been three movies. Yeah. It's the last face credit of a single actor. Yes. Um, yeah. is, is Sean Bean. Not Ian Holm, which is kind of surprising to me that it wouldn't be Ian Holm last. Like, to leave you on that last image I of a single face credit. I think it's because, like... Because he's not, like, really in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's in a flashback, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This delusion of, of Denethor. He doesn't even have a line. Right. He right? appears, but, like... Yeah. You know... Oh, I'm I You know, I, I've said this again, like, a, a bunch of times, but I'm really glad we've, we've done this because yeah. I have an appreciation for Boromir and I have an appreciation for Eowyn. And, like, yeah. you know, if that's if I don't feel like I wasted four years of my life. Right. Yeah. Like uh, the some of the the people in this movie, the, the people that were cast that I think if you were going to just, like, build an actor or an actress from the ground up to play the role, um, I think that, like. Sean Astin and Ian McKellen and like Miranda Otto and Sean Bean are like people that you would be like, these were people that were perfect to cast for these roles. Mm. Like Sean Bean is just so good as Boromir. Yeah. Like we're, we're so far removed from an actual Boromir scene. For in the real. Movies. <laughs> Years removed for us. And it's just the impact of his performance, especially even going over it so closely and so in depth as we have is just, just miss Sean Bean in these movies. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, even when he is... I think it goes hand-in-hand, hand too, with John Noble's performance of yeah. grief. Because, like, we feel the absence of this yes. character. Yeah, John Noble's performance is about the absence of Boromir. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, so is David Wenham's. Yeah, very much so. But, like, two very contrasting um, reactions yeah. to grief... Which I think is fascinating. Yeah, because yeah, because Faramir becomes like kind of detached, and like just wants. Well, I would to argue that more... Denethor is also detached, but in a much different way. Yeah, like Faramir is more, um, like more emotionally, like deadened, detached in a lot of ways, and is just doing what Denethor is asking of him because he just doesn't want to lose that one more connection. Right. Whereas Denethor has just become. Just obs- detached just, from reality, like detached from reality, but just obsessed with his grief. Yeah, yeah. It's just, ugh, man. And then our last, our, our last, last credits. Credits are 
are for uh, people whose faces we never see. Uh, Lawrence Macri, Paul Norrell, and Martin Sokus, who played uh, a lot. A lot of orcs. A lot of orcs, the the witch king, the spirit king. Paul Norrell is, is uh, ghost king? I think so. Okay. I would have to look. But they, they play like the, the witch king. Because we've talked about uh, Lawrence Macri quite a bit. Yes. Because he also, um he did the, he was in the suit for the witch king. Oh, right. Yeah, King of the Dead. Paul yeah, Norrell. Paul Norrell is King of the Dead. Um, and Martin Sokus was a lot of orcs as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is he our buddy Gorbag? No, uh, Gor- Gorbag is, um, uh, what is Gorbag's actor's name? <laughs> Are you um, sure? He's the same guy that was Parachompy, wasn't he? Oh, maybe? Yeah, that's the same actor, I think, as, okay. as Gorbag and Parachompy. <laughs> What's that guy's? What's that orc's actual name? <laughs> I no longer remember. <laughs> it's lost. He'll, he'll forever be Parachompy. Yes. <laughs> forever. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, Lawrence Macri was a witch king. Lurts, my man. Um, uh, Gothmog. 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 But he didn't do the voice of the witch king. The voice of the witch king was somebody else. Martin Sokus is Killaborn. Aha! There we go. <laughs> I would have assumed that because of who he's on the screen with, he's just one of the people whose faces we never really see. Yeah. No. Well, see? Hot but bland. It's totally We see his face. Martin Sokus We have seen Caliborn. his face twice. And we did not know who he was. I'm looking at a picture of him. I'm like, oh, okay. That guy. Sure. Who is he? Caliborn. Caliborn. <laughs> We just saw his face 20 minutes ago. What Not f- even. <laughs> so forgettable. <laughs> but they, they Apologies, couldn't even... Mr. Sokus. <laughs> right, they couldn't even put his face on the screen to remind us that he's Caliborn. For real. I mean, because, yeah, he's got like five lines. Right? I mean, even if they put his face there, would you have been like, ah, yes, Caliborn? Right? Yeah, because the, the art on this is the Witch King, and then we have the King of the Dead over here, and then it's just like, who's Martin Sokus? <laughs> king of Lothlorien, I guess. Three <laughs> yeah, kings. Yeah, Oh, there you go. There you go. Nice. Is he the king? I mean, if Galadriel's queen, crowned prince of Lothlorien. <laughs> regent? Regent. No, not regent. Um, Consort? Consort. Consort. That's the word. Chief consort of the queen of Lothlorien. Because just because you're married to the queen doesn't make you the king. That that I mean that's different rules in different monarchies. Yeah, I know. But dude, you're gonna say no to Galadriel? No. <laughs> in general, it's that you would become the king or become the queen. But like some some places, it's like crowned prince or mm-hmm. or what have you. Right, because with the um the British monarchy, it's Queen Elizabeth and then Prince, what's his name, Philip? Yeah, the crowned prince. Yeah, he's Prince Philip. Mm. But. But yeah, yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Forgot Caliborn. Hop a plan. Hop a plan. He's just there. It's like, it's like soup. <laughs> just, just like bad corn chowder. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not even bad. Hop a plan. It's not. It's not. Even, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and that's the podcast. Uh- <laughs> All right, what else we got? Um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, do we want to talk about any of these questions here? Yeah, let's just talk about a couple of these things from the, the from the listener group. The group. 
So yeah, we got a we got a few questions. One of which I think is super easy to answer, which is how long are we gonna wait before rewatching these? Uh, we're doing commentaries, so not long. Uh, yeah, we already watched the first half of Fellowship. Yeah. Uh, like what? Like a month ago? Yeah. So yeah, surprise! We're doing commentaries. Those will also be in the. Um, They'll be on the Patreon. The Patreon, because you know. <laughs> it's bonus content. The podcast is over. Right. Right. So if you, uh, I don't know, like it, though, I think we, we talked about things that we hadn't talked about on the podcast before. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember, honestly. Just some riffing about it. Yeah. It's just us watching the movie on a Sunday afternoon. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Is there uh, Joe Dorowski, friend of the show, Joe Dorowski, and the host of Protagonist Podcasts, asks, is there anything you've learned that changes the way you look at the films? I mean, he blew my mind with that left to right thing. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> Which I've just now, like, everything I've watched since, I've been more conscious of. So thanks for that, Joe. You just altered the way I look at movies. <laughs> it's like a key memory. <laughs> right. <laughs> anything that you've learned that changes the way you look at the films? I don't know if there's anything that I've learned specifically. Um, just in general, I think like deep diving into the commentaries for the first time in years and just like kind of like actually paying attention to all of the attention to detail. Yeah. Um, in these, like the seaworthy ship with the, the sails that are rigged in a completely different way than like normal people rig their sails. Right. And still works. You know, the thousands of hand-painted leaves on the tree. <laughs> the 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 hand-made um, chain mail, you know? like Right. Knowing that they did, like, detail and pattern work on the insides of armors that we literally never see. Or the ceiling in, um, in, in Minas Tirith. Yeah, in the, in the Hall of the Steward. Yeah. Well, it'd be the king. But... Yeah, the Great Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Stuff like that, I think. Like, paying more attention to the, the art design the the set design um yeah like paying more attention to lighting all kinds lighting, of stuff yeah which i guess like leads into the second half of the question which is just you know what's the what's the coolest, the coolest trivia or insight i mean did you know that vigo mortensen broke his toe oh my god really wow <laughs> just i love that that's like a meme yeah i know <laughs> uh it, in the lord of the rings fandom in general i don't know i don't know if i can pick something out honestly i think like just hard. It's just four years of me talking about stuff. Right. Coolest insight for me, I think, is more, it comes from more of like a writing character place. Like, I never realized before doing these that this was written by two women. Mm. Um, and like, it, it's really cool kind of having this as like a touchstone of, of my appreciation for movies and, and storytelling in general Um, at like a, I don't know, like a pivotal age yeah um just like not being aware of that and then coming back to them and being like oh that's awesome and it kind of makes a little bit of sense yeah you know um and it's really cool having that as an inspiration now when i'm writing yeah if that makes sense so it's more of like a esoteric um emotional sort of insight thing but it's I don't know. It's really important to me because like these movies are important to me and it's cool that like these, these women were able to work on yeah. the story, you know, Yeah. even though there's not a lot of women in the story, right? they are writing the story. Yeah. What about you? 
Um, I don't. It's hard for me to pull at something specifically. It's just, I think, just the the overall change in how I watch and consume things in general mm-hmm. has just made me appreciate these movies and other things more. Yeah. Just because I now pay much more attention to like smaller details and things in the background than I ever used to. So I don't know if I've talked about this on mic, but one time um, I was, I think it was like maybe early this year or late last year. Um, I was seeing a new therapist and I was explaining the concept of this podcast to my therapist, which is wild Um, (laughs) because explaining the concept of, oh yeah, we watch a minute of a movie and then talk about it for 45 minutes. Yeah. Not the movie, the minute. (laughs) Yes. The single Um, minute. A lot of people are like, oh, that's nice. And just like, never speak to me again. (laughs) Never going to bring that up. Yeah. It's just like, oh. Okay. Oh, you're, you're some one kind of, of weird, obsessive person. You're one of those nerds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was wild. But, like, he he kind of... Um, so, so we were talking about it as a concept and kind of what could be learned from a minute of something that we can apply to, like, the grander scheme of everything. So, mm. like, we were... And then we were talking about, like, the, the, the concept of, like, the sublime. Yeah. Um, and then we were talking about like, um, like pontalism, like the, the, the art movement. Yeah. Um, which I, uh, God. Is that Monet? No, there's a whole Sondheim musical about this guy. The one with the Sunday in the park. I don't know. The, the painting Sunday in the park that's Mm. in Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Where Cameron's staring at the face. Yeah. The musical's called Sunday in the park with George. I think the artist is George... Sarah? I don't remember. I don't don't remember who paints that painting. But, like, how all of these tiny little dots that are, like, so separate make up this, you know, painting. Right. Um, And how when you, like, look at something really close, you get stuff out of it that you might not get out of it while looking at the bigger picture. Literally the bigger picture. You miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. But then also, like, it works backwards. Like, Like, I mean, we've talked about a lot of time, like, Watching a minute out of context, we get stuff out of it than we would watching it, you know, like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So I think that's really cool, too. And I don't know that I would do another Movies by Minutes project um, again, because I don't know. (laughs) This is a long time. Yes. Um, I mean, that's partially our slash my fault. For being like, well, let's we do Lord of the Lord, Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And like, you know, we could have done the theatrical, but like, pff, what's the point of doing this? I would have had to have bought them. I already had the extended. Yeah, dude. I had never seen the theatrical before even starting these. So. Right. You know, go big or go home. And. It only added over a hundred minutes or something. Yeah. You know, whatever. Only a hundred minutes. Only a hundred episodes. Only a whole other movie's worth of content. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. It's just general things like that, I think. Um, I can't pick up any, like, cool trivia out of my brain right now. Yeah, that's hard for me, too. Because I'm in, like, I'm in macro mode now. Right. We're stepping we're back. And... God, I, 
we're gonna stop recording and i'm gonna be like it's over it's gone it's done (laughs) we did it yeah just laying on that rock ready to die (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes indeed (laughs) so do we want to do this one yeah the second one yeah okay so um alina van i hope i'm saying your name right um you're really cool um she asks, uh, you've touched on the topic every now and then, but how do you think the movies compare to the books thematically as a whole? And are there crucial differences in thematic content or emphasis? Um, I think we talked about this with, with Mary the, Clay and the Shadow Facts folks. Yeah, we talked about this, and I, and we talked about this with the Scouring of the Shire. In specific, yeah. Um, I It's been a while since I've read the books in their entirety, um, but I think that the movies overall translate the spirit of the the books yeah very well overall i'd say that the the movies are a little more optimistic yes um not i mean and there are like beautiful pieces of optimism in the books yeah um but i think like with the scout i think the main thing is the scouring of the shire I think yeah, the it's the only real, it. yeah, it's the only real like big thematic difference. Yeah, and I like there are other battles and stuff, but like Tolkien is not interested in battles to begin with, so like no, he's interested in the consequences of them. Yeah, like he's not about the big action scene; he is about like dealing with the aftermath, which I guess is like another thing I take away from these is like that's very much what I'm interested in my storytelling. Yeah, um, especially when I'm writing prose, I hate writing description. <laughs> I hate I hate writing action. I like watching action. I like I don't even know that I like reading about it, but like when I have my writing brain on, like I don't want to do that. I want to talk about people talking about their feelings. I want to talk about feelings. <laughs> yeah, I want I want people to have to reckon with the consequences of their actions. I don't want to have to write their actions. <laughs> right, but that's an important step. No, I know, especially if you're telling a story from scratch. Yeah. So that's hard. I can't just be like, oops, Bilbo got like knocked on the back of his head and then he missed the entire battle. Right. <laughs> Whoopsies. Um, which is so charming. <laughs> yeah, like the, the scouring of the Shire's omission uh changes the thematic landing of the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh because it's it's more optimistic in the movie. Um it's a little melancholic, but it's all it's only in the scale of and the perspective of the four hobbits mm-hmm. not the shire as a whole yeah which is the thing about it in the book is that you know no matter how remote a place is in a conflict of the scale of what happened no place is going to be untouched i feel like the scouring of the shire if if they were making these movies right now mm. i feel like they would have included the scouring of the shire because like thematically that feels like what's going on at least in the united states right now yeah like no place is untouched from this thing like no like your neighbors like as 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 benign um as as you know the people that you grew up with or whatever might be like there's always this lurking thing that's like systemic racism or you know misogyny or just all of these things authoritarianism yeah all of these things that have given rise to what's happened over the course of the four year of the past four years yes and so i think thematically 
Um, it would make more sense to include it nowadays. Yes. I think if if a storyteller who grew, especially if someone grew up while all of this is happening. Yeah. Like and, Gen Z. Well, like a, a filmmaker that grew up through all of this is more than likely someone who would like be able to remake them. I think it'd be long enough time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Peter Jackson is is coming from like a he's like what two generations removed from us. Yeah. So like, yeah, that makes sense to me that it would be the generation after us, or even the one after that. Right. Um. Because, like you know, what death of the author aside, um, like your your the things that you experience, um in your childhood have an impact on your person. Um, well, especially the media you consume. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and I, I, you can't, you can't get rid of that. Like that will always like infuse your work for better or worse, you know? So I feel like if, when they, they remake these, um, I feel like, I still am the, I still am of the opinion that I have a hard time seeing them ever really being remade. But if so, I don't think it'll happen until they're like at least 40. I mean, I think that there's enough. The fact that we were able to like fan cast an entirely different cast of people. Yeah. I think speaks to the fact that like there is like there's merit in remaking these. Mm. There isn't merit in a shot for shot remake of these. There's merit in reinterpreting the text and making it relevant to yeah like reintroducing it into the cultural zeitgeist mm. yeah you know? it's just like um there's just sometimes there's just things that i think about and i'm just there i mean this is already kind of a remake i guess the 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 movies because there were like the animated ones and the radio drama and all that stuff before these right yeah there's been there have been different adaptations over the years of lord of the rings yeah. the story it's been longer now i think since these than it has been between any other adaptation. I think since these, the Tolkien estate has been like much, like much more reticent to to sign off. Yeah, on because any they other made a lot of money. Yeah, but like you'd always think you'd be able to make more money off more like remaking of them, right? Well, there's also like the the rights stuff. Like, um, who owns this? Like Warner Brothers, I think. Yeah, I think Warner Brothers. Does. Warner Brothers bought out New Line. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they produced the Hobbit movies. Right. So I think... Um, well, it's up to whether or not the studio thinks that it's, like, something they want to do, too, I guess, to, to remake these studios, the rights to them, to make new ones. But, like, see, I'm interested in um, the Amazon show, uh, not yeah. just because of Hot Sauron, but, like... <laughs> right, right. Not <laughs> fingers, just for Anatar. Fingers crossed for Hot Sauron. But um, because they're they're both, like, trying to tie it into these, but also distancing themselves from them... Because they, like, used all, like, the props. They, like, bought up all the props and stuff. Yeah, they bought all the Um, sets and stuff. So, but I think the key to reinterpreting this story and, like, remaking this is, like, completely divorcing yourself from that. Right. I think that's, I think that's one of the things that's really difficult about remaking something that has a lot of cultural weight already mm. because even when they remade Ghostbusters, they still had cameos from the original crew. Yeah. They still had references to it in it. And I think that that is kind of a mistake when it comes to a remake. Mm. Um, and I think that 
when you remake something or like try to reinterpret something, reminding the audience of the thing that came before that already has a lot of cultural resonance and love. Yeah. Isn't actually something you want to do, even if you think it's something to kind of like prop up or like give a nod to that previous fan base. Yeah. It hurts the current work. Yeah. Cause I don't like, um, I mean, I don't like those like soulless, uh, shot for shot live action animated, um, or the live action Disney remakes for a lot of reasons, but I think it's mostly because like, they're not doing anything new. Yeah, they're not doing anything new. Like, there's, like, a new song, I guess. But, like, if I wanted to watch, you know, Beauty and the Beast, I'll just pop in the animated yeah, movie. Yeah, if I want to watch Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or, or Lion King, I'll just watch those movies. Though I will say Luke Evans as Gaston is a joy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He's, like, the only good part of that movie. Right, like, I was, like, I still haven't watched Beauty and the Beast because I just wasn't sold on Emma Watson being Belle. She's fine. She's fine. It, it's... Like, it, it didn't blow my mind, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah, live action Beauty and the Beast. But, like, I will say the one, the part of the movie that made me laugh the hardest is when she's singing that line about, like, new and a bit alarming when she's, like, coming to terms with her feelings about the Beast. She what? makes this face and she's just like, oh, my God, am I a furry? Like, Right, yeah. <laughs> That's very... like that's like that's the subtext, and I like is that um is that something there laughing. is that during that song? Yes. Yeah. 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 And that something was like that wasn't there before. It got a big laugh in the theater, but I was like dying. <laughs> it's like... Right. Oh, am I into him because he's a giant monster, or am I into? <laughs> yeah, for real. It's just like new. The... Yeah, the way that she delivers alarming with her face. <laughs> it just cuts to that gif of I hope this doesn't awaken something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and like Ewan McGregor as a talking. I mean, Ewan McGregor is Lumiere. I'm just like, all right, yes, hundred percent. That I sounds great. But I don't like the effect. But you can tell he's having a ball. Right, he always is. Yeah, he's like the only person clearly having fun in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> Dude, he's so good in Birds of Prey. Mm. Anyway, um, tangent time. Yeah. But yeah, so like that's my thing about remakes of like things that already have so much cultural weight because mm-hmm. you have. There's conflicting things like in a studio, right? Because you want to try to cash in on what came before, but I think that ultimately hurts the project. Yeah. But I don't know if you'd ever be able to convince a studio to not do that. Yeah. I like, agree. look at Amazon. Just bought all the stuff to make these movies. Yeah. Warner Brothers used all the props and the same effects team for the Hobbit trilogy. Right. And we will... Uh... We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Because I am... I'm super interested in what Del Toro's vision of Middle Earth looked like. Yeah. I wanted to know. Yeah. It is a mystery. Right? Lost the time. It's in the alternate universe where Keanu Reeves is president or something. I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were about to say where Keanu Reeves is Aragorn. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that too, I guess. That's <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> sure. I mean, like, these movies came out around the same time as The Matrix. Yeah, what? The Matrix came out in, what, 99? Yeah. Keanu Reeves is just a big star at the time mm-hmm. and is again mm-hmm. bless I, and I guess like the last thing here is like about changes in characters which i which think we've, we've talked covered. about so much yeah uh mostly with faramir i think faramir is the one we've talked about the most in that regard i think that's the most the biggest change it is the biggest change between a character in the in the book to the movie and like gandalf's a little more cranky in the books but yeah. like and like denethor is perhaps a bit more sympathetic in the books too uh, but the, you just really need to get across like how detestable some of the things that Denethor does really are yeah. in a movie. Yeah. 
um, because you, you don't get to sit with them the same way you do in a book. Right. And like take in the character more. Right. Like more fully over more time. So it's important that like that's the difference between like villains in a book and villains in a TV show than villains in a movie. Like villains in a movie have to be like immediately detestable and their performance can be nuanced. But like something about them has to grab you as the villain to make you hate them from the start. Whereas like a book or a TV show has more time to build to, that relationship. To simmer in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a big difference for me. Yeah, I agree with that. So like that's I think that's one of the reasons in general why sometimes movie villains fall flat. For you? Yeah, some I mean, not in like I'm trying to think of something in particular, but I think it's why, um, especially in like lesser productions, why movie villains sometimes fall flat. Or like sometimes the villain is like is so far out there on the camp scale mm-hmm. that it just like pulls everything else from the movie to it. Mm. And it's just like because they're they're trying to do everything they can to make this villain work, but it's hurting like it's hurting the perspective of or the perception of like the rest of the movie. Like I can think of performances like that, like in um oh what's the what's the name of this movie? It's like Kung Fu Rats. Um they're like Kung Fu Rat characters. What? They're like um what is the name of this movie? Um I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, because it was an absolute bomb. Uh it came out when I was a kid. I don't um, know. Why are they're you They're like full suits. Uh, but the villain is like this guy who's like clearly having a blast the whole but, time. But like why are you talking about a crappy movie? <laughs> Because, like, I don't know, because I'm thinking about just, like, how it is sometimes in a movie, like, because they don't they don't have the time or they don't take the time to try to build the villain, like, you wind up in this case where the the person that's playing the villain just um, throws so much more into it than everything else around them that, like, they come off as, like, super campy or distract from the rest of the production or, like, take away from things. And, like, I don't know. I just think that happens more often with villains than any other character type in a movie. Mr. Freeze. Oh, Mr. Freeze? Yeah. And as as Arnold, Mr. Yeah, Freeze? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's totally an example <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he throws himself into it 100%. And while I, I love Arnold as Mr. Freeze, <laughs> I think that the rest of the movie just doesn't hold up to it the same way. Is that Schumacher? Work. Yeah, that's Schumacher. Yeah. Schumacher Batman. Dude, he died this year, too. Yeah. What the hell? I have a soft spot for that movie as a Batman movie, but man... <laughs> Just there's just so much ice to meet you. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> just I, re- <laughs> I don't know how Arnold wound up as Mister Freeze. You know what? The Batman, the Batman guys can tell us. Uh, I don't need to know. It just is. It just is. Just it's like gravity. It's and Uma Thurman <laughs> as, as Poison Ivy. Just on paper, yeah, sure. Oh hell yeah! Great. <laughs> what is this movie? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember the name of the guy that played Bane now off the top of my head, but he was a professional wrestler. Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, uh, Tom Hardy? <laughs> no. No, in that movie. Yeah, I know. But, I don't know, do you have any closing thoughts on Lord of the Rings? Question mark? I just love We will things. never have closing thoughts on Lord of the Rings. Right? Well, just forever be something I... That is a part of me. I, yeah, and I think... I think it's really cool that, like, you know, though we've spent um, hundreds of hours at this point God, uh, yeah. working on this and, and talking about this movie, um, that we're there's still going to be stuff that we either, like, pick up or, or, or realize or, or notice or whatever, you know? Yeah. 
and same with the source material too like it's so there's so much to it and i'm glad that we were able to do this in this way because even though it was a lot of work and it's been a long time like right. it feels it's been a long road Jesus. it's it's i don't know it's it's cool it's exciting but Boromir's the best and <laughs> yeah right like has doing this just like made Boromir your favorite character in these movies uh no you just have so much more appreciation for Boromir yes have your opinions on like any of your characters, any of the characters that you consider like your favorites changed at all while doing this? I think I also have an appreciation for Frodo. Um, more of one. More of as one. As a protagonist. Yeah. Like Legolas is still Bay. Uh, Pippin is still my favorite. He's my, <laughs> my, my child. But like Frodo's journey, I think, is more relatable um, mm. or it hits harder. Uh now that I've, like, I don't know. I think Frodo's journey just hits harder as an adult than it does as a teenager in general. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially as, like, a someone with a, a mental illness and, right. like, dissecting it in that way, I think it, it resonates more. Um, yeah. And I have a greater appreciation for that aspect of this. Um, but yeah, Legolas is still Bay. <laughs> what? I'm a Legolas girl for life. For life? For life. With a Y. <laughs> what is, what's that article I found for you that was just about like... Oh, the Faramir the, the, thing? The Faramir thing? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've never been an Aragorn girl. I love me some elves. I love me some elves. Just the, the silver-haired the silver haired yeah, elves. Yeah. Yeah. The All aloof, those platinum blondes. The aloof, uh, silver-haired... Uh, All those tall, thin, platinum blonde yeah. pretty people. Yep. It's like that's my that's my I look fan. at them and I'm like, ah, I couldn't be any more different from that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Call me out harder, why don't you? <laughs> what about you? Um I think I I mean the big thing I think for me is that I think going over it with such a fine tooth comb, I appreciate John Noble's performance way more than I did before. Yeah. Just it just sticks out to me as just so you eat those tomatoes, baby. Right? You just eat them up. <laughs> eat them up just like you do every inch of this set. Just, you go for it. Uh, just that one thing that's just like, why did he eat them this way? This is unacceptable. <laughs> the, like, I have way more appreciation for John Noble's performance. Um, Just Sean Bean. Just being Sean Bean. Just very good at what he was, what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I think in general that I just have a general greater appreciation for everything that went into these movies. Yeah. For sure. I would hope so. Um, Jesus. <laughs> my favorite my favorite my favorite character's still Thandon, my boy. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, Sam's still my favorite hobbit. Makes sense. Aowen for life. Who's yeah. who's your bae? Is that Aowen? That's Aowen, Aowen's yeah. bae. <laughs> Best at everything. <laughs> See, we have a similar type. Yeah. Just uh, aloof blondes that are good at things. <laughs> I don't know. I think that I think that wraps up podcast yeah i think that wraps up the movie i think that wraps up the podcast yeah i'm glad to be with you at the end of all things oh norman oh don't make me cry asshole um but yeah no and uh thank you guys um every single one of you who's stuck with us 
from um, episode one to episode yeah. 600 and Whether something. Whether or not you uh, started listening to us back in September of 2016, or if you have binged all of it in the past two months or whatever, like, bless you. Bless right. you. Right. I don't. If, I hope that we have been a comfort to you in the last four years. Yeah. And or, gone... you know, even the last four weeks. <laughs> right. But uh, as this podcast has gone from from September of 2016 to now, just across two presidential elections. Uh-huh. We got married. Yep. This This podcast is older than our marriage. Yep. Which I joke about all the time. But like, what the hell? Right. So it's kind of... Um, we've had this podcast longer than we've had our cat. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I hope that we have been, um, like, a fun listen. I hope that we've uh, brought joy. <laughs> what little joy. Um, and, and, and like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad you're here with us. Yes. At the end of all things. But it's not really the end of all things because we're totally going to have another podcast. Yeah, we, we're not 100 percent. We haven't hammered out like all the details yet, but I think we're probably going to drop the first episode into this feed. Yeah. So don't if you want to be notified when that happens and you don't get a notification sometime, from anywhere else. Sometime next year. Yeah. If, if you leave this feed. Just stay, open. Stay subscribed. Yeah. We might surprise you. Yeah. Something will drop into it eventually. Um, But yes, we are. Uh, we're retiring from the movies by minutes format, but not from podcasting as a whole. Yeah. So if you are interested in supporting our future efforts, you can go to duelinggenre.com. That's where we're from. That's where we live. That's where, you know, we build our house. Yeah. We built our church upon this rock. Um, And you can go to our Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support. I'm still going to be active on there. And like I said, Norman and I are still going to do a podcast. We just need to hammer out all of the format and everything. Yeah. Um, it's going to be different, but yeah, it'll be totally fun. different thing. Yeah. So if you enjoy listening to us and you like our analysis of of media, yeah, probably still going to be deep dives. Yes, but not as deep. No. Well, we dug too greedily and too deep. <laughs> I might still get real deep into the weeds occasionally. <laughs> I just mean like not not, not minute, minute by minute. minute, but I might still be like I want to talk about this thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. That's just, what deep dives are. Just for. like real hardcore, just this. Um, but yeah, thank you once again for listening, for sticking with us, for supporting us, for being excellent to each other uh, and to yourself. I hope you have an amazing weekend, an amazing rest of your year. Thank you so much. Thank you. I don't know how to end this. We just have to say goodbye. No, I don't want to. Or do we silently board a ship like Frodo? <laughs> the last of the pages belong to you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Your sweet and weary head. Night is falling. You've come to journey's end. Sleep now. Dream of the ones who came before They are calling From across the distant shore Dueling Genre